Deep pattern, downfield, touchdown Miami. What a throw, Devontae Parker. Holy smokes, what a drive. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's Turn the Page Tuesday. We'll jump into the All-22 review from the Week 1 win over the Patriots, look at some snap count information and what that tells us, the stats from Pro Football Focus, next-gen stats, and all the advanced metrics we cover here on the podcast. We'll scan the social and address what you, the fan, are talking about. And we'll close it up with a segment from the post-game show on Sunday night with yours truly, Seth Levitt and OJ McDuffie from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Just a little bit of news to start the podcast here today before we get into a couple of Brian Flores' Monday press conference comments, and then we'll jump right in to the first All-22 review and all the fun stuff that we love to do here on the Tuesday podcast. Carl Tucker, Dolphins fullback, has been released from the Miami Dolphins practice squad. That news came across the desk on Monday night, so Carl Tucker no longer with the Dolphins practice squad. Brian Flores made some comments on Monday at his Zoom press conference, notably that Austin Jackson will be the team's left tackle when he is healthy and ready to go for a game day. He, of course, dressed and played three special team snaps in the game on Sunday, but Liam Eichenberg filled in at left tackle for Jackson, who did not get any practice time last week after coming off the COVID list on Saturday and then Sunday had the questionable distinction removed. So he was up, he was dressed, available, but he only played the three special team snaps but coach confirms he is your left tackle when available. Other players trying to find their way back onto the football field. Raekwon Davis, coach said it's still early on him. The team is still doing tests, and they'll have more information later on today and in the coming days. Called him a tough kid. Said he was eager to get back out on the field. Going to take it one day at a time. Do not have final results on Raekwon Davis. Also mentioned the, impor- the health of the player was the most important thing, and they made a decision to hold him out to help run tests because they wanted to get a look at those tests before putting him back in there, not knowing what's going on with that low Lower, half, uh, uh, lower body injury that he sustained in the game on Sunday. Now, just a quick note here on that Raekwon Davis injury and playing or being on the sidelines. I loved watching him kind of communicate with the other defensive linemen. There was one play where I think it was John Jenkins, might have been Adam Butler. I always confuse the 70 and 90, and they have the dreadlocks coming out the back as well. Tough to tell the difference sometimes on those big boys. But uh, he had he was kind of signaling him off the field, like, no, you're off this one, you're off, come on over. And I just like seeing that communication. You know, Coach Flores talks all the time about how this team loves each other and loves to play for each other, and it's important to them, and they love the game. I thought we saw that there with Raekwon Davis. Two more items here on the Brian Flores press conference agenda I want to address. Number one, talking about Will Fuller and his return back to the club this week, back out on the practice field, talking about how This is a guy that missed a decent amount of practice time in the summer, and the Dolphins will look to kind of ease him back into the flow of things and determine a role for him as they go forward. And Coach really reiterates, we got to practice out there. We know what he can do, what he has on tape and his history of his career, but you have to get timing down. You have to get people on the same page from that standpoint, and you have to do that through practice and no other way. And then finally, I like the way Coach talked about the 
competition in this game as far as the offense is concerned against that Patriots defense. And remember this, guys, the Patriots defense, those players also get paid to make plays. And there's a lot of guys that do make a lot of plays on that defense. And Coach said this, I thought we moved the ball effectively on some drives. Other drives we didn't. I think they've got a good defense. They played well. They made some plays. We made some plays. They won some matchups. We won some matchups. It was a tough ball game in a tough environment. I thought our operation was clean as far as dealing with crowd noise, getting in and out of the huddle and things of that nature. Eric Studisville and George Godsey did a nice job of getting the guys prepared and putting guys in position to make plays. So I thought what you saw was two competitive teams that are very good. They're going to be in the mix this season going back and forth with one another. And if you thought that game was going to look any different than the rock fight that it was, I think maybe that's where some of the misperception was pregame. This was always going to be a rock fight. Like Brian Flores said, this is the kind of game we expected out there with this tough, physical, disciplined, mentally tough, just a very, very good football team that mirrors a lot of the principles that Brian Flores has down here with his Dolphins in South Florida. All right, let's go ahead and get into the All-22 review. We have the tape, we have it digested, we have some notes here. And I want to go ahead and start here talking about, well, where else do you start on the review but the quarterback position with Tua Tungavailoa. And a couple of things that I want to put down on paper here, I guess on, on the airwaves, is the things that I thought he really excelled with, with the quick game and the footwork and the rhythm of the quick passing game with some of those short setup and throws where the Dolphins would go empty or even when they didn't go empty if they would go quick RPO pop where Tua basically stood up and and pulled the ball out of the running back's belly before he even really got to the mesh point and got that thing up over the offensive line and into the receiver's hands into that soft area you know between the numbers between the hash marks sometimes on those quick hitters those quick slants to put the ball in his playmaker's hands and if you saw the defensive back kind of drop into a cushion or open the hips early and give that inside access. I liked the way Tua attacked that portion of the field. And that's the kind of play where you're basically giving your offensive line the rep off because the ball's up and out so quick. The pass rush really is negated based on the play call. And when you can do that for three, four, five, six plays in a game, that just gives your offensive line a better chance to have more success, have more confidence, get some offensive success without having to really stand in there and protect for two, three, four seconds. I just love that makeup and looked, and this quarterback helps you do that in a big way. Now, he did miss a couple of throws. There's no question about that. I thought the, I thought the interception was not... I mean, it wasn't a great decision, but I didn't think it was the ultimate like backbreaker on the day that the one play could have been where he rolled to his right and threw back into the field of play and uh, Jalen Waddle was down there. And I think it was Jonathan Jones another time got his hands on the football and it was a one-handed diving catch attempt for a pick, but that ball was put in harm's way as well. Just kind of clean up a couple of those decisions and mistakes. And I think we're going to be looking at a even better stat line and a much better performance in terms of effectiveness, moving the ball down the field. I thought he had some big time moments and big time spots like the peel back throw to Mike Gesicki on that third down. How about a third down shot deep down the field to Devontae Parker. I just thought that there was enough to look at there that you say, okay, this kid's making progress, making moves forward, despite the few mistakes here and there. I mean, he was on target on on his layups. He kept the offense in rhythm and kept them ahead of schedule. The throw to Waddle on the outside, I mean, he was open, he was there, and they can probably find a better way to get that ball to a spot that is more comfortable for both the quarterback and the receiver. But I thought that was one of the few times where maybe the placement could have been a bit better. But all things told, I thought Tua was very good. And just to kind of go off the all-22 here, man, the Patriots sure played a lot of coverage. Essentially, most of the game sans the most frequent blitzing situations in any level of football on third and longs. And we'll get to that stat here in just a second. But I thought that the pathways for the Dolphins passing game 
was difficult to get to and had to go through second and third reads. And that's kind of what, you know, Bill Belichick has done for so long with his defensive game plans is find a way to take away what you do best to play left-handed or in Tua's situation, play right-handed. And they did a good job of taking away some of the quick hitters in, in some instances or taking away, you know, some of the top options Tua was going to where you had to get through to a second, third, fourth read and make those full field reads. And when you look at some of the times when he got pressure, he would step away from initial pressure and look up and his target that he was trying to go to was either doubled or locked up. And so there was plenty of instances where they would drop seven or eight guys into coverage, double up a couple of pass options and really doing a good job of mixing or, or a kind of anticipating who was going to be the top couple of options in the progression and doubling those guys and it forced some double clutching and, and kind of looking to that next read or getting off of the second spot that he moves to after moving the, off the first original spot. So just in my opinion, Patriots defense really did a hell of a job in this game to take away the things Dolphins wanted to do and when they could, but the Dolphins also had their own answers to get success with those three drives, especially the two touchdown drives to begin the game and begin the second half. So I think it's a good start for Tua against a tough defense. That's going to be a good opportunity to have that tape in week one to go back and look at and say, here's how I can beat this coverage or this blitz or this look, or here's some variety or mixing they did on the defensive side as well. So a good opportunity there. I'm glad they had a chance to get a W and go make the corrections, as is the case with the entire roster. Now, at the running back position, I just love what Miles Gaskin gives you from a variety standpoint. He showed you he can flex out and play inside the, as a, the three, you know, the, the third receiver inside on trips type of formations where you have, you know, three guys split out to one side of the field. He's the tightest into the formation. He can play that second spot and that first spot as well. Catch passes coming inside, catch the, the flare routes, the flat routes out of the backfield like we saw with the matchup he helped create on Dante Hightower in one instance, a quick catch and, and gain up the sideline for about 12 yards before that Jason Sanders field goal. So I just think Gaskin brings a lot to this offense. He's versatile across multiple packages. You can use him in multiple packages and Savon Ackman, a lot of the same thing there too as well. This guy is tough to get to the ground. The catch where he had the reception right at the line of scrimmage, broke a tackle and picked up six yards. I thought that was fantastic, plus his speed. When this team blocks it up, and we'll talk about this here in just one second, when they block it up and get it, get it blocked well, there's opportunities for big rips into that second level. And with Ahmed's suddenness and that speed and the acceleration he offers, I think we have a chance at some point this year to put together some long runs with Savon Ackman with how this offensive line, when they get it right, can create gaps in the running game. Uh, defensively, I thought Sam Egwavon looked fantastic in this football game. He was quick to the spot. He beat, a, he beat blocks with speed and getting under guys, but he's not lacking in physicality either. He arrives with a punch and a pop and hits guys big, and you can feel him that way. I thought he and uh, Adam Butler worked very well together on games on the interior. Butler's quick off is just, or his get off is so quick and so sudden that it puts offensive linemen in immediate conflict. And I thought him and Egwavon with that first downhill step, that first burst up to the center or the guard or in the quarterback's face is so explosive that it creates that conflict and forces the quarterback to get off the initial spot because he can't throw from that crowded area down around his feet and, and getting bodies pushed into his face. And it doesn't surprise me that Adam Butler played the most snaps of any interior defensive lineman because of his production in this game. And again, we'll get to the snap counts here just a little bit later on, but I thought he was really impressive along with Sam Egelvon on that defense. Going to bounce back to the offense here. Forgive me, my notes are a little bit scattered up on the offensive line. I thought Liam Eichenberg and Michael Dieter both had really good games. And Solomon Kinley, for that matter, too, also played a good football game. Eichenberg does a really good job for me mirroring against pass rushers and you know blocking the middle of the man it's so hard to square these guys up with how sudden they are and how they have this lateral agility to go with their freak size in this day and age of NFL pass rushers 
but his ability to work with leverage and to wall guys off and to really get the, into the gap, turn a guy, wall off, and seal that gap. I thought that was impressive work from the Dolphins' left tackle in this game. And he had a cut block on Dante Hightower at the second level where he's outflanked, has to get across the face of 54 and cut him, and he did it. Very impressive on that play. And Michael Dieter got Hightower on a cut block as well on one of the Wildcat snaps, got out in front of his face, got across that 54, and went down and got him to the ground with a chop there on that cut block. So good work there from Dieter as well as, uh, as Liam Eichenberg. And Dieter on the first Wildcat run, I believe it was, had a nice catch and climb, a double team, where he gets a, a chip at the first level, climbs to the second level, and pushes that thing out for a nice eight-yard run for Savon Ahmed. And Robert Hunt on that particular play, he pushes his man two yards off the ball and turns him inside, and the ball goes right off his backside as well. So good blocking there on the interior. And then one more note here for, the, uh, for Jesse Davis. He had a fantastic turn and seal on an outside run by Miles Gaskin, that big 15-yard run to really get some juice going for that opening drive of the third quarter. thought Jesse Davis at the point of attack had a great seal on the edge to give Gaskin that edge and a chance to run, possibly by that defensive back who did usher him out of bounds. But Jesse Davis on that particular play had a nice block. We'll come back and talk pressure numbers here in just a second. But finishing up on the offensive line, Solomon Kinley had, I put like a game-winning block. That's not what it was, but it was a big moment and a big block for Solomon Kinley on that final series. Second and short, uh, Hunter Long, a, a, a defensive end crashes inside of Hunter Long and kind of gets it some penetration. And Kinley pulls from the backside and pancakes that man after carrying him not just to the sticks, but past the sticks on a second and two. And he gets up and claps his hands and looks over to the sideline like, yeah, I did that, that stuff right there. I thought that was a great play, great energy, and great reaction from Solomon Kinley. And then at the tight end position, I liked what Durham Smythe brought once again in the blocking game. And the design of the... Uh, let's call it the the touchdown to Jalen Waddle. The design of that play where they had Gasicki kind of blocking at the point and then Durham Smythe running a route where basically his job, it looked like, was to wall guys off and just get in the way. And I thought he did a great job of doing that on that touchdown catch and run from Jalen Waddle. So good design there, ball going to Waddle all the way and Gasicki and Smythe getting the execution on that play with a good play design to do the return motion to create space for Jalen Waddle. So my top offensive players by unit, obviously two as your quarterback. thought Miles Gaskin had the best day of the running backs. At receiver, I'm going to go with Devontae Parker because they had the same number of catches. Parker did have more targets, and Waddle had the touchdown, but the one drop in the game, I'm going to go ahead and go to Devontae Parker on this one. The big third and ten, uh, third and eight reception he had from Tua was big time, and just his ability to get inside and, and make yards after the catch as well. thought he was very impressive. Back to the defensive side of the football. I mean, I don't think we talked enough about Elandon Roberts in the podcast going back to the omissions here and his work against the run because he hits that thing so fast and man he hits it hard and to get back that quickly after the injury last year just a big tip of the cap to Elandon Roberts he's an important part of this defense and there was a run early in the second quarter that went for two yards where you see both him and Brian Scarlett just wipe out the Patriots tight ends Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry try to get blocks on those guys respectively and Scarlett takes the corner, takes the edge, and just throws him aside and gets in position to make a play. And then Roberts kind of scrapes over the top on the outside run and runs right through Hunter Henry and pushes him back three yards into the ball carrier. And those guys team up for the tackle. Thought Brandon Scarlett had a good game as well to go along with the Landon Roberts. I put Javon Holland down here because we didn't talk about him much in the game, in the postgame show on Sunday night. 
but his tackling and it's not something you get a chance to really see that often at training camp because there's not live hitting and you're definitely not going to go down you know the guy's knees or his his legs and try to chop him down that way but he comes in so fast and so low and that's how you get that upended play on Jonu Smith with the forced fumble and the sure tackling had another good hit to a guy's hip pad earlier in the game that got him down as well so his tackling coming in in control and his ability to play in space I love all of those traits from Javon Holland and I want to talk more Let's go kind of play-by-play play here. I think I covered most of the guys we talked about on the podcast yesterday. You know, Emmanuel Ogba had a fantastic day, a variety of pass rush moves. The strength inside, the heavy hands was all evident on tape. Really good game from him. I thought we talked about Adam Butler. Zach Sealer had some plays at that length where he really shocked guys and got some knockback in the running game. Christian Wilkins coming off blocks as well. John Jenkins, I thought, had a very good game, played a lot of snaps in this game, as well as Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. And the way those guys mirror up their man coverage and, and just take away chances on the outside. Just a lot of good defensive players on this team that had good defensive games on the game on Sunday. And one of the guys I want to talk more about is Jason McCourty in that pass breakup. I want to just go ahead and walk you through this play because McCourty had a great game and a really good play on this one. The play of the game for my money where he's he's on the two receiver to the field and trips. And so what that means, trips is three receivers to one side, your one's the outside receiver, your two's the next inside, and your three is going to be the closest into the line of scrimmage and the offensive lineman and they're in cover zero all four defensive backs are seven yards off the football playing man coverage straight up on the line and then you got seven guys up on the line uh, getting ready to show pressure back out whatever they want to do and they motion the three the inside receiver over to the boundary so the other side of the formation and then he returns back to the field side of the formation after the snap so it's now the running back to that side of the formation, the tight end to that side of the formation, and a receiver. So it's actually two to three, two guys to the field, three to the boundary, the short side of the field. And both the one receivers, the outside receivers, run hitch routes. And then it's Jason McCourty with the entire depth of the field to defend. Deep, inside, outside, like a, a three-way go. And he honors the possible corner route before kind of coming back over the top on the inside on Jacoby Myers to get over the top for that pass breakup. It was a hell of a play because that was going to be a big gainer there for the Patriots if he can't get over the top and make that play. Possibly a touchdown. The work he did, the space he covered, the, the instincts he had to get over the spot, over the top of the spot there. Fantastic play by Jason McCourty. And then uh, I want to go ahead and read this quick thread and go back to the offense here. Sorry for bouncing around on you guys. I kind of put the notes together uh, before doing the podcast, and I didn't organize them correctly. But just want to go ahead and talk about two of the deep shots in this game that I thought were indicative of how the Dolphins can attack, attack vertically this season. And it was the 36-yard completion to Jalen Waddle and the incomplete pass to Albert Wilson in the end zone. And on the 36-yard pass to Waddle, the Patriots are showing cover one and the post safety. So you have one high safety, and he's over to the boundary side of the formation, five yards outside the hash. So a long way away from Waddle and that three receiver set to the field side of the formation. So Tua has three guys who are one-on-one -on -one with no safety over the top, and Waddle is the two inside the slot. And you see the ball leave Tua's hands as Waddle hits the seven-yard mark past the line of scrimmage and lets that thing go. If he's even, he's leaving, and Waddle has great speed. And the stress of having to deal with the over-the-top ball like this means the cornerback goes into all-out sprint mode. You better get on your horse if you want to cover that deep ball. And if the ball brings the receiver back to the quarterback, the probability of a big play because the cornerback can't get his head around or he reaches and grabs and gets a flag is significant. And so Waddle gets a step, but you might note that Jonathan Jones, you know, we heard Waddle ran a possible sub 4 340 at one point. Jonathan Jones clocked a 428 
back in 2016. So he can flat go, and he does, and he stays right in the hip pocket of Waddle, or on his back pocket, I should say, one step behind. And so to come back to the football, you increase your chances of a completion, whereas a stride for stride, you cannot slow him down on the deep ball. Otherwise, Jonathan Jones gets there and breaks that play up. That's a low percentage throw, and granted, the reward is a possible 75-yard touchdown, but the increase of odds on the reception or a possible DPI on the back shoulder ball is so significant that I think you you take you know a, a bird in the hands worth two in the bush, whatever they say. Like That's a much higher frequency of success rate on that throw. They hit it, 36 yards. You don't scoff at the opportunity to get 36 yards. And then later on in the game, a deep shot to Albert Wilson. This one's different because he does a stutter and go into the end zone. But I think if he comes back to that ball, because on this play, the defensive back had to sprint to get in position to get back in place for the pass breakup. You come back through the defensive back, possibly a DPI, maybe even a play on the football. But it was so close. And these deep shots where the quarterback catches, rocks, and throws, those are very timing and precision-based. And if the receiver wins the release, that ball comes out, you put some air under it, and give your guy a chance to make a play. That's what I thought I saw personally on those deep shots. And then one more thing here I want to go ahead and give you guys are some yak numbers because I thought this was an impressive part of the game. We talked about it all offseason, creating more yards after the catch. The Dolphins in this game had 111 yards. That's 55% of Tua's 202 yards came after the catch. That was the second highest of his career. So good stuff there for the Dolphins offense to kind of show you what they can do as far as their remade offense this season. We have plenty more to come, obviously 16 more games, and then we expect to get better each and every game as well. All right, let's go ahead and scan the social here. What are you guys talking about out there on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook? Let's be honest, it's mostly Twitter, but I got to get out there more on the other social media platforms. But it's the performance of the defense. Was it good? Allowing 16 points in a game since the start of 2020 in the NFL, those teams are 96-3. and It's a 97% winning percentage with almost 100 games, 99 games. The Patriots were 1-for-4 in the red zone. And last year's Miami Dolphins defense finished first and third down defense and first, well, they were entering the end of the season first in scoring defense, ended up finishing sixth. But that's the model of the defense. They're not going to give you the easy stuff in the red zone, and they're not going to give up deep plays and explosive plays in this game. In fact, the Patriots' longest passing play of the game was 26 yards, and that's not nothing to scoff at, but it's not a huge play either. And so Miami's defensive philosophy in this particular game kept the Patriots off the scoreboard to the tune of just 16 points, 96-3 and in those games. The Patriots also averaged 3.1 yards per rush after the first play of the game, which I understand is a bit of a twisting the stats there as it were, but it's worth noting plenty of uh, wins on those run plays the Patriots had. So just looking at the performance of this defense and playing with the idea of putting pressure on Mac Jones, forcing the ball out quick, rally up and be sure-handed in your tackling, Man, that, that game plan worked, and then you put him in position where he, if he misses any layups, they get behind the chains. They can't move the ball that way because you have to have those completions when you're going short underneath, and the average depth of target for Mac Jones in this game was under six yards of depth down the field. So you play that style of football game, you tackle well, you don't make mistakes in the penalties. I thought it was a fantastic game plan. At the end of the day, your biggest goal is to leave the other team without points on the scoreboard. They only score 16 points in this game, and again, 96-3 and since the beginning of 2020 for teams in the NFL, allowing 16 points or fewer. 
And I also believe you can play that style of football when you have confidence in your offense, who only had nine possessions in the game. It's about two or three possessions less than the average number of possessions in a game to get yourself enough points on those nine possessions to win a football game. And the league average is just over two points per possession. Miami had nine possessions, 17 points in the game, a little bit below league average typically, but you're in a good spot with that number of points. Dolphins find a way to win the game, and it was due in large part to a strong game plan on defense. They executed very well. That is my scanning the Soch. Let's talk about some stats here, some explosive plays. Patriots had six, Dolphins had six. Patriots got 140 yards on those six explosive plays. Miami had 129. For the Patriots, a 35-yard run out of the gate, and then passes of 22, 25, 21, and 26, and they had an 11-yard run. For Miami, though, a 15-yard run, a 10-yard run, and the other four were passes, 23 yards, 30 yards, 36 yards, and a 15-yard run as well for the Dolphins' offense. So I thought, you know, explosive plays were a big difference in this game for Miami. You had to have those in this type of game where possessions were limited, first downs were tough to come by, the defense is playing well, you have to hit the explosive plays, and Miami did just enough of those to get the victories. How about some pro football focus data points here? Pressures on the offensive line. 30 pass blocking snaps from Miami. Jesse Davis was charged with three from pro football focus. Michael Dieter with two. And then Hunt, Eichenberg, and Kinley all won apiece. Two was passing. We talked a little bit about the uh, blitz numbers. Patriots only blitzed him on five dropbacks. He was three for five with 28 yards and an interception. So we talked about that in pregame, thought he would have better numbers against the blitz. He did not, but they did not blitz him that often. So it showed you how often they played coverage when he was kept clean, 15 for 22, 172 yards and a touchdown. His passing chart, 20 plus yard throws, two for four on throws, 20 or more yards down the field for 66 yards. The intermediate area did not go so well. One for nine for 23 yards and a pick. And then nine yards and under, 11 for 12, 97 yards and a touchdown. You do that every single Sunday. It's going to give you a chance to build in those shot plays and get the explosive plays down the football field. He had 2.5 seconds of time to throw on average and an average depth of target of 10.1 yards. And the Dolphins per PFF were charged with two drops in the game. Receivers, Waddle played in the slot 75% of the time. Parker, 85.7% of the time out wide. Waddle had 12 yards per target and 2.86 yards per route run, and then an average depth of target of 10.2 yards, and his passer rating when Tua targeted him, 157.3. Perfect passer rating is 158.3, so just one point off that. Devontae Parker, 11.5 yards per target, 2.89 yards per route run, and an average depth of target of 13.6 yards for Devontae Parker. Miami's top two receivers get vertical a lot in this game. As far as the best rushing direction for Miami, it was off left guard. That was 5.7 yards average running behind Solomon Kinley per pro football focus. And Miles Gaskin had the highest yards after contact average of his career. He averaged three and a half or 3.56 rather yards after initial contact. He forced three missed tackles. He had two 10 plus yard runs, two first down runs. And Malcolm Brown had two first down runs on five carries in the game. Our defensive guys, their pressure numbers. Sam Egelvon had four in the game, including three quarterback hits. Emmanuel Ogbon and Andrew Van Ginkle had three apiece. Adam Butler had two. And then Jerome Baker, Brandon Scarlett, Christian Wilkins, Byron Jones, Elandon Roberts, and Zach Sealer all had one. And so too did uh, Jalen Phillips. His one quarterback pressure was a hit on the quarterback. Run stops, Nick Needham. These are tackles made on the running game within two yards of the line. Nick Needham led the way with three. Then Sealer, Wilkins, Egwavon, Howard, Ogba, Rowe, Jenkins, and McCourty all had two apiece. Javon Holland had one. Van Ginkle had one. Jerome Baker had one. Adam Butler and Byron Jones all had one as well. Javon Holland, of course, the forced fumble on that tackle.
Uh, Eric Rowe was targeted nine times in the game and allowed 54 yards. Jason McCourty, 33 yards on four targets. Brandon Jones, 16 yards on one target. And Javon Holland was not targeted. So for the safeties in this game, 14 targets, 103 yards, 7.36 yards per target. Not a bad number, not a great number. Cornerbacks, Nick Needham, nine yards on three targets. Xavier Howard, 20 yards on three. And Byron Jones, 27 yards on four targets. So Miami's corners, 10 targets, 56 yards, 5.6 yards per target. That's a great number. And then total, taking away linebackers who allowed 100 yards on 10 receptions, or 10 targets rather, 24 targets total, 159 yards. That's a 6.63 yards per target. A nice number there for your Dolphins defense. On special teams, Jamal Perry, two tackles. Brandon Jones, Durham Smythe, and Brandon Scarlett all had one tackle, and Mac Hollins had two assists on special teams tackles. How about some of the next-gen stuff here? Two and a half seconds for time to throw for Tua was the ninth quickest ball out rate, and Jalen Waddle had 3.6 yards average separation. That was a yard and a half better than Miami's top separation creator in 2020, and it was 22nd best among all pass catchers, running backs, receivers, and tight ends in the National Football League. And Devontae Parker's 12.8 a dot was 19th highest in the National Football League this le- this weekend. How about some snap counts? Jason McCourty was right up there with Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. The two corners played 75 snaps, 100% of the snaps, but McCourty and Baker played 99% of the snaps with 74 reps, and Eric Rowe had 65 snaps. That's 87% of your defensive snaps. Andrew Van Ginkle played 53. Adam Butler and Emmanuel Ogba had 48 snaps apiece. And John Jenkins played 45. That's 60% of the workload. Talk about a great depth addition as Raekwon Davis goes down. John Jenkins fills in and gives you some good work there. He and Jason McCourty were big additions for this first game here coming in the offseason. Two veterans joining the club and having an immediate impact. Christian Wilkins played 42. Sam Egwavon and Landon Roberts had 36 each. And Raekwon Davis played just five in the game after getting hurt. Nick Needham played 35 snaps. Not as many three-receiver sets for the Patriots and even fewer four-receiver sets, obviously, as Justin Coleman played just two snaps. Zach Sealer, 28. Brandon Scarlett, 26. And then of the rookies, Javon Holland played 24 snaps. That was 32% of the total. And Jalen Phillips got 22 snaps in there. That was 29% of the total. We knew he was going to play in this game a little bit, despite the depth chart and Coach Flores telling you how that's just a piece of paper going into this game. And Brandon Jones played 11 snaps in the game. Offensively, Offensive line goes wire to wire, 54 snaps for all five of those guys. Tua played 52 snaps. Jacoby Brissett played the other two. Devontae Parker and Jalen Waddle, the two most played receivers in this game. Parker had 45 snaps. Waddle had 43. That's 85 and 83% respectively. Albert Wilson had 22 snaps. And Mac Hollins and Jakeem Grant had seven snaps each. While Durham Smythe led all tight ends with 38 snaps. And Mike Kosicki had 21. That's one of the instances there. Play a lot more tight. Play a lot more run game. And a lot more of Durham Smythe in the game. Game plan specific. You have a bunch of guys that can do multiple things and different things. So each week that game plan will of course change. And Miles Gaskin led all running backs with 29 snaps. That was 54%. Malcolm Brown had 16. And Savon Ahmed had 11 snaps in the game. All right. That's going to do it for the podcast. I want to play the segment at the end of our outro here, the post-game show on 560 WQAM, the Dolphins' fifth-quarter post-game show on the Miami Dolphins radio network. Let's go ahead and play that audio. But first, for you guys, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth Levitt and OJ McDuffie. Check out YouTube for all the media availabilities up on the Miami Dolphins YouTube channel. And, of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fish.
You're listening to the fifth quarter post game show brought to you by the Palm Beaches. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Miami Dolphins fifth quarter post game show here on 560 WQAM. I'm here with OJ McDuffie and Seth Levitt. I'm Travis Wingfield, and we are here to bring you two hours of post game coverage for an opening day road victory for your first place. Miami right. Dolphins, first place all alone. The, Bill, the Bills, the Patriots, and the Jets all go down. It wasn't always pretty, but a divisional road win to kick off the season. Juice, what's better than that? There's nothing better than that. There's no better way. You know, everybody talks about going 1-0 every week. How about going 1-0 at the beginning of the season, on the road, within the division, against a nemesis of ours? That's so hard to do, man. No matter what, that's a hard thing to do, to go in there. Uh, very small dogs in, the, in terms of, you know, uh, uh, being underdogs in this game. But at the same time, man, finding a way to get it out of there with a win in Foxborough, man. It's not easy, Travis, man. I'll tell you, it's going to be... No, there's some guys had a, some rough games for our team, but it's still going to be a fun-ass flight home. I promise you that. Brian Flores' first opening day win with the Miami Dolphins in year number three here, and we all had a bunch of fun in the studio. Personally, guys, a, a little a moment for myself to be able to celebrate <laughs> with O.J. McDuffie after a game, fist pumping and, and clapping hands and stuff. That's a lot of fun. Seth, my other co-host over here, i got to go to you, man, because you made a A little less point. fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just as much fun. We have a good time here. But you made a good point during the game that, you know, over the course of the first three years of the Brian Flores era, this is a football team that tends to get better as the season goes along. Yeah. But you made a point about opening day and measuring yourself compared to your previous opening days under Brian Flores. Yeah, that's exactly right, Travis. I mean, I, I think, look, we all get caught up in the game that's in front of us, and that is the most important thing in that moment. But as a fan of the Dolphins, if you've been cheering for this team for years, decades, however long it's been, there's been some frustration, and now you've got a new regime, and you want to see growth as an organization not just what happens from play to play or game to game. And so when you look at what they did, you know, we don't even want to talk about the season opener three years ago. Last year, you had a chance to win. We left frustrated because we thought we could have won that game. And this year, if you want to get caught up in the fact that they didn't look as pretty as you wanted them to, go for it. I'm happy that we're 1-0, and I'm even happier, as you said. We're in first place in the division, and everybody's looking at how do they catch us. There's a lot of football left to be played, but this is the spot you want to be in after week one. Everybody wants to react to a first game because it's been really seven or eight months we've seen meaningful football. But week one, Juice, it always has a way of of kind of not holding up in terms of how the end of the season goes. Like, there are some crazy occurrences some crazy outcomes that happened in week number one I don't think anybody expected Pittsburgh to go into Buffalo and pick off the Bills at home we talked about the Jets falling here and now the Miami Dolphins go on the road to Foxborough and pick up a win in a place they hadn't won in for their third win I should say since the 2008 season juice like as far as the week one mentality goes what's the difficulties of overcoming everything the Dolphins had to face today and get that win here in week one on the road yeah it's always tough you know I mean you think about two weeks to get ready you know, you, you want to be overprepared or if you're underprepared. You, you, you got a new quarterback you haven't really seen in, in live action before. And uh, so it's always it's always tough. Uh, travel, uh, COVID situations. We talk about Austin Jackson and Shaheen and guys like that. Every team is going through that. So how do you make those adjustments And when you, when you have to go make these plays? But, you know, when you get on the road, I think I always felt there was always less distractions on the road 
you know, you, you do deal with a, a hostile environment a lot of times. And New England obviously was very hostile today. Um, but there's less distractions. You know, you don't, have, you don't have to worry about family and friends and tickets and all this other stuff that you worry about, you know, mostly at home. But when you get on the road, man, it's like a straight focus. You, you meet, you eat, you meet, you eat, you go play. It's kind of how it goes, you know. So I think these guys were, you know, they were dialed in for the most part, you know. But uh, bottom line is this, man. No matter how it all started, no matter how it all got going, it only matters how you finish the game. And our boys went out there and they finished the game. And they're going to get on, that, on the bus and they get on the plane and come back with a W, man, like you guys talked about. You know, first in the division, the other two, three teams taking an L. Um, you know, that, that's important. It really is important. You know, like we talked about a little bit. You know, you, you fight for 1-0 every week, but 1-0 at the beginning of the season, it's the only way you can go undefeated. If you win the first that's one, right? right? Right, and they right. have time to correct yeah, anything of... that we want them to work on. They can go do that now. That's their job. That's what they get paid to do. There's time to correct those things. Yeah. But, it, it, Juice, is it a lot easier to make those corrections after a W? Always a lot easier. <laughs> it is. It's way easier, man. You know what? And I'm going to tell you. I mean, think about it. There are a lot of corrections. They're going to get – gonna. a lot of guys can get chewed up a little bit in meetings. They are. But the, the chewing is, is about as half as bad when you win the game. You know, I remember the Monday morning meetings, man, after we, after we won. When guys messed up, it was a little lighthearted. Monday morning meetings when we lost, there's no laughing, there's no joking, there's no playing around in those meetings, you know, and which there shouldn't be anyways. But I tell you, man, it's going to be a nice little flight home. Coach Flo's already told them that they need to play better, I'm sure, in the postgame, you know, talk with the team and things they need to correct. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure he's happy going in New England and beating his old team. And we're going to hear from head coach Brian Flores a little bit later on in the program here. But, you know, one thing I probably need a mea culpa on is Mac Jones played a hell of a game today. I, I didn't he think did. he had much of a chance to get to have success against this Dolphins defense just because of his personal makeup and what this Dolphins defense does to the quarterbacks that have similar makeups to a Mac Jones. But he really played his butt off, and they had a good game plan for him. At one point in the first half, I'm sure it changed as we went along, but his average yards per depth or of depth downfield was one and a half yards, Juice. So they were throwing everything close to the line of scrimmage there. But the other point here I want to get to as far as bringing it back to the Miami Dolphins is – we went into Foxborough last year, week number one, and it was a tough game because you, you just don't know what you're going to get from a Bill Belichick team and a Josh McDaniels offense when they have had you know months to prepare for you like they did in this game. And so to get in there and to withstand everything they did, I think the game plan probably was pretty clearly to let Mac Jones kind of dink and dunk and play Ben but don't break defense, but to be able to match what they did, Juice, and get in there and get that victory. I just, I think to, to go into that place against that head coach and get a victory, I mean, I'm going to say it again. I'm so impressed by the outcome of the game, even if it wasn't super pretty. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they did a great job of keeping everything in front of them, you know, making the plays in front of them, not giving up the big plays except for one big play, I think, in the, in the first series that they had. Um, Mac Jones, you know, just does a great job of distributing the rock. But at some point, they got to take some shots. And I think our guys did a good job of defending the ball uh, down the field. Uh, Leave the only touchdown that they got, you know, was a, I thought was a horrible call. Yeah. But, you know, but it is the rule. It is the rule. I thought Orlando Roberts making a hell of a play trying to get to the quarterback, yeah. you know, and they called the, uh, the call Tom Brady, you know, hip, low, <laughs> hip below the waist, you know, by the knee level uh, penalty that extended that drive on, on a great defensive drive right there. But I tell you, man, it's like, I mean, these guys, I look forward to seeing where this defense is going to go. We know what they can do. we got to start getting more pressure on quarterbacks, but don't give up 16 points. 
be on the field that much, that long, you know, and, and not really break. You know, you heard yeah, Jason talk about it. Yeah, you, you heard Jason talk about it. He hate that bend but not break, and Seth hates it as well. I hate it as well, man, but they did that. That's exactly what they did. And when they needed it, they came up with a big-time turnover. Yes, they did. And if, if it wasn't for that penalty, that, you know, and we're not going to sit here and play ifs, ands, and buts, but if they, they don't, don't do throw, if they don't throw that flag – the Patriots have three field goals in this game after possessing the ball for 36-plus minutes. Uh, we heard Jason Taylor on the postgame show or right after the game ended say they had three drives of 14 plays in this game. So Miami just withstood a 12-round fight here from the Patriots, Seth, and for them to be able to just take those punches, take those punches, and then you get a big play from who else? Xavier Howard to kind of help save the game there at the end. I mean, take us through how you felt going through that game because we were kind of – it was we, tough we, to watch We never for a while felt there. like we were having fun, did we, yeah, until no. the very end? <laughs> You're exactly right. I mean, it was. It was painstaking. I think uh, we, we talked about it. Why is this happening? Why is that happening? And it looked like that was the game plan. You know, it was forcing them. I think you said it earlier. Let them, let them have the unforced error. And, and they didn't make them. They didn't make a whole lot of mistakes. Until a couple of throws there from Mac Jones, a little bit low on that last third yeah. down throw. Right. No, you're exactly right. And so there weren't a lot of mistakes from New England, which you don't anticipate. There, there's going to be a lot. Uh, you know, you said about if they, didn't, if they didn't throw that flag, they threw it. Look, they threw it. We had a chance to stop them still. We didn't. We didn't force a field goal there. They scored. What's most impressive to me, though, is that, that they didn't break in the end. I mean, that really is what it comes down to. The National Football League is built to be – where everybody is the same, right? They want, they, they, they want that. They don't want there to be this great disparity where you're watching college football and teams are putting 60, 70 points up against teams that are overmatched. And so there are going to be games that come down to the wire. There are going to be tough divisional matchups. You're going to have to win on the road in close games in the fourth quarter, and they did that today. And I don't care if it was ugly. I don't care if you wanted 300 yards from two and you didn't get it. You got a W. You're in first place, and everybody else in this division is looking at the schedule and trying to figure out how they can get one game up on you now. Yeah, you know, bottom line is this, man. On the road, here's, here's my, here's always been my philosophy when it came to, you know, on the road or at home. At home, you want to go 6-2 and two or better. On the road, you want to go 500 or better if you can't. You know, so if you go six and two or better, you go, you know, you go four and four. I know there's 17 games this year. You're, you're guaranteeing <laughs> yourself. Say. Be quiet, Seth. You got to carry the one sometimes. That's a new math, Juice. You got to carry the one math. sometimes, Big Seth. You got to carry the one. I'm carrying one and oh is what you, I'm carrying. But you, but you, that, what I'm saying is you got to get to 10 wins, and most of that has to happen at home. But when you still that first one at home, you know, I mean, on the on the road, that, that's huge within the division, man. So I'm, I agree. I'm excited for the boys, man. I know they are too. I know they're a little banged up. I know the defense is hella tired right now. You know, there's going to be some, some ice tubs and all kinds of stuff, a lot of, you know, a lot of ice bags on the way home. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, they, they were, it, was a, it was a bruising game, a lot of good hitting. I mean, it was really physical. Week one, man, it was, it was nice, man. I didn't see too many missed tackles. I, I, I thought some hard running on both sides of the ball, man. Really good football game. And, really, honestly, you're not going to blow a team out like New England at their, in their building. You're not going to do it. I mean, we saw it happen before with us a, a long time ago. But if you're going to win in New England, it's going to be, it's going to be a close one. That's what we got today. And the big play of the game at the end of the game there by Xavier Howard. I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty uh, dull in this room until that play at the end of the game that we kind of <laughs> oh, exploded man. here. Let's go ahead and hear that highlight now. Xavier Howard, the big play of the game. 23 straight games now. The Miami Dolphins have a takeaway. First and 10 Patriots from the Dolphins, 11. Miami 17, Patriots 16 with 335 left to play. Play action fake. Oh, they give it to Damian Harris. And he is hit. Balls the ball out. pops Balls out. out. Who's got it? Andy Roberts hit him. Dolphins say they do, but let's see who. Well, somebody's about to pile with a blue jersey on, gentlemen. Who's got it? Dolphins, yeah, Dolphins, Dolphins got, got, it. got it. 
wide bend, but don't break. Wow. There it is. Didn't even know that was coming there. How about that lead in there to our first break here? So there you go. Dolphins win it 17-16 in Foxborough.